Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Welcome to the Bugle Live. This is uh, this is my first uh, show in front of a three-dimensional audience since the before times. How are you all? You are, hooray, good. Um, uh, have you enjoyed the last year and uh, uh, two-thirds? No, that is the correct answer. Um, it's been... Uh, well, let's face it, remorselessly shit on a global level. Uh, but thank you very much for, for all uh, coming here today to see the uh, live Bugle. Have you, um, who's been to a Bugle live show before? Yes, a few, a few of you. Who has never been before? And who has never listened to the Bugle before? Oh, this could be a slightly confusing evening for some of you. So, uh, what, what has brought, brought you here, madam? All oh, right, okay, is this, is this, uh, oh. Oh, sorry, I, I forgot. I we, we need, we need a I microphone. I wasn't going for it. Right, I was going to say. We did say only regulars at this gig. Uh, so, um, <laughs> we're trying. It's more of a cult than a podcast at this stage, to be honest. Um, um, uh, so, well, welcome. Um, uh, I, ho- I hope you enjoy it. It's, um, it's really a scientific documentary. Um, uh, and if the measure of the quality of a decade is how many live Bugle shows it hosts in its first 20 months, then this has been the equal shittest decade in history. (laughs) Alongside decades such as the 1340s. Oh, plague fans. The the 680s. Tough crowd. And, of course, the 1720s. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I I am Andy Zaltzman, and if I've learned uh, one lesson in life then it's that every lesson you learn in life can be so easily forgot... Uh, what was that again? Oh, never mind. Um, this is do- doubling up as uh, Bugle uh, issue 4204. Um, I mean, it's not... For the, for the, if you've not listened to the show, we did skip out... What, what was it? About 3,700 episodes. We should still do them at some point. Well, at some point we'll go back to it. We did jump from, I think, 293 to 4001. <laughs> So, uh, joining me today, I am very rusty at this, I'm finding it quite, well, simultaneously uh, disconcerting, um, strangely emotional, um, and uh, it's also making me think that I've lost all the skills that I once had. Um, what do I have to do now? Oh, yes, the there's, rest of the there's show. There's more people. The rest of the show, yes. So, joining me today, to boil the bones of uh, the last week of news into a hopefully digestible stock. Firstly, right here, right now, in person, please welcome, for the first time in a Bugle live show, Chris Addison! <laughs> Good evening, Andy. Good evening, Chris. Lashana Tova, happy Rosh Hashanah to you. Uh, absolutely, uh, yes, I've had an awesome uh, Rosh been? Hashanah. It's been sensational. Happy, uh, happy 5782. Oh, yes. It's a hell of a year what a, what ahead. A year. Yes. I was just wondering, you know, so obviously you're 3,700 years in the future. Yes. What's it like? Uh, well, if everyone here was offered... What was it 5,782? Yeah, yep, 5,782. Would you take a you know, 3,800 year hibernation at this point? I think that is a majority, Chris. You've just had a 20 month hibernation, which you were complaining about <laughs> a enough. second ago. I still haven't tidied my cupboards. <laughs> You're never going to tidy your cupboards. Um, so, uh, uh, how's your lockdown been? Really good, actually. I had a tremendous lockdown. I put all my money into uh, face masks. <laughs> so I'm wildly rich. I did that suspiciously in October 2019. <laughs> I don't want anyone to read anything into it. Um, uh, yeah, it's been an absolute uh, shit show, same as everybody else. Does anybody actually think they had a good lockdown? <laughs> F*** you. <laughs> 
mean, I've I've been forced uh, against my will to watch a ridiculous amount of cricket. This is awful. Um, Have you spoken to anyone about this? Um, Jonathan Agnew, <laughs> yes, uh, uh, Phil Tufnell, um, Ishikawa. Also, <laughs> also uh, Chris was on TMS last week. Uh, on Saturday. I don't know if any of you heard it. He did the view from the boundary. It was a... Uh, the bugle takeover of uh, international cricket commentary continues apace. We're so close. We were so close. <laughs> we just, I told you at the time, if we just pushed them out and locked the door, we could have done you know, a whole new series right into the evening session. Um, and uh, joining us via the wonders of uh, the internet, the physics-defying miracle that has enabled people the world over to share amusing pictures of animals doing amusing things within microseconds rather than having to do a painting of dogs smoking cigars and playing bridge before sending it around the world on a sailing ship and hoping the joke hadn't worn off by the time it arrives. <laughs> it's a great advance for humanity. Reporting, us, reporting to us exclusively live from tomorrow morning in Sydney, Australia, Alice Fraser! Hello, Buglers. Hello, Chris. Hey, Alice. How, how's tomorrow? Uh, it's good. I spilled rice on my carpet. <laughs> well, that's, that's a Rosh Hashanah tradition, isn't it, Chris? Yeah, it is a Rosh Hashanah tradition. <laughs> Apples and honey and rice on the carpet. Oh, God, oh, good. I'm a bit out of the loop, to be honest. Um, and, are, um, are you sure you haven't just got maggots? <laughs> I am sure. I haven't just got... Ra- okay. Yes, I don't. It's best to check. Um, and how's, uh, how's Australia doing? Um, it's pretty good. It's spring-like. Right. We're in lockdown. Right. Everyone's angry. <laughs> right, it's turning back into Britain. Um, <laughs> matter of time, the spring-like it? bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, so, um, uh, this is the first live show since um, uh, the before times. Uh, there are certain COVID protocols in place. Uh, with, there were temperature checks on the way in from a hidden temperature gauge, and um, you averaged out at 36.5 Celsius, making the total temperature of this crowd, about 250 people, 9,200 degrees <laughs> Celsius, which is one and a half times hotter than the surface of the sun. Um, uh, you guys are absolutely cooking. Um, coincidentally, also the melting point of news, uh, which is ideal for this show. Uh, this. The show is happening on the 7th of September, the 250th day of the year, yet again for the third time in the last four years. Um, on this day... <laughs> it's pretty good stats, that, 75%, you'd take that. Um, on this day in uh, 1695, Team GB professional pirate Henry Every sparked the first ever global manhunt by pilfering a cool £90 million worth of treasure in today's money from the Grand Mughal ship Ganj Isawai in a brutal but effective bit of pirating. Um, and he's never been seen or heard of again. So he's still at large. <laughs> 326 years later, fair play, that is committing to a new identity. Do you think have they tried Spain? It's usually Spain, isn't it's it? It's Spain. Spain. Yeah. Expect Spain. Um, but anyway, if you are uh, watching this live right now, or if you're listening on the uh, recorded version, if you have seen Henry Every, please do uh, report it to your local police station. Uh, he's described as a Caucasian man between 4 foot 8 and 6 foot 6, aged approximately <laughs> 362. Um, um, good career move, though, to get out of... Uh, I don't think if you're a 17th century pirate, you don't want to hang around too long. No, no, and most of them didn't. No, well, exactly. <laughs> I mean, he was very much the Bjorn Borg of his day, that sudden retirement. The difference being that Every would have been executed instantly if he'd been caught, whereas Borg launched an underwear range. So, so few similarities, it's quite uncanny. Um, as always, 
A section of uh, the bugle is going, where? In the oh no, I was supposed to do in the what, wasn't it? Not where. Do you want, do you want to have another go? Let's have another go at it. As always, a section of the bugle is going straight in the... In. Well, I think it was where. I would have just gone in and let them do the bin. I, I, I'm just, just have another go. <laughs> right, it's going in the bin. Right, you're, you're ahead of me on this one. Um, this week, in the bin, uh, social media etiquette for f***ing numbskulls. Um, are you a f***ing numbskull? Then the chances are you might be struggling to get your social media etiquette right. So, free with this week's bugle, the f***ing numbskulls guide to entry-level social media etiquette. Week one, learn the difference between valid constructive criticism and a death threat. Um, have you ever thought about not abusing strangers? Why not give it a go? You might enjoy it more than you think. Millions of people recommend it, and statistics show that up to 97% of strangers are actually all right when you get to know them. So unleashing a bar barrage of anonymized bile might not actually be a very nice thing to do. If you're not sure, try writing out on a piece of paper what you were just about to post online, saying it to a real person, um, and then judge from their reaction and the speed with which the police arrive to defuse the situation. <laughs> whether or not it is actually a good idea. And uh, also, what uh, we give you a guide to what to, and most importantly, what not to uh, judge and insult people for. Uh, so we put pairs of things together, and you have to uh, work out if you should or should not judge and abuse people uh, for you, one in each uh, category. So this week, a person's gender or a person's war crimes. Uh, judge or don't judge, we'll give you the answer to that next week. Chris, have you ever issued a, uh, an anonymous death threat online? Uh, I, not online. Um, oh. I, uh, <laughs> I'm old school. Um, I, uh, the romance, I, I, I'm single-handedly keeping the printed press going with my poison pen letters. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot of magazines I get through, but um, but I have but I, th I think of them as, as uh, <laughs> I think of them as uh, secular fatwas. <laughs> Chris, could you clarify something for me? Sure. Poison pen letters seem self-defeating. Surely the ink should be poison. Yes, and I've the pen um, should be. I've been hospitalised a number of times. <laughs> uh, Alice, have you got any uh, social media etiquette advice for for any of our listeners? Just don't. All right, there we go. That's uh, that's quite deceptively simple when you put it in those terms. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> that section is in the bin. Right. Jingle, Chris. There we go. It's all coming back to me now. <laughs> People said, so I've said to a few uh, comedian friends, uh, you've not done a live show no. for a while either. No, and, about um, 10 years. I don't know. People say, oh, it's like getting back on a bike. But I was f***ing shit at riding bikes and often crashed. So, um, what I always felt about stand-up is that you're rusty if you haven't done it for seven days. <laughs> 20 months. Yes, you become, long, long I don't time. know. Yeah. It's a long time. Yes, it's kind of Titanic level of... Um, of rust, yeah. Yes. People are going to have to go and dive down and <laughs> get you out. Um, uh, you must know James Cameron from your... Uh, yeah, 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 we, uh, we're neighbours. <laughs> he lives in Bromley. <laughs> <laughs> that avatar money. <laughs> All right. Hit uh, me and Emma Raducanu. <laughs> <laughs> top story this week, trees. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, so, right, before we get into the tree news... Um, who... Such a f***ing game show crowd. <laughs> <laughs> oh! Chris, I'm trying to take my career in a new direction. <laughs> right. Uh, like Enzolts. <laughs> um, who likes trees? <laughs> who thinks they're c***s and deserve to die? 
No, I felt about 50-50. Um, um, well, the bad news is for Trevor... What treatment. an Apollon response. <laughs> You've gone in very early with that. Um, yeah. first, first live bugle pun, and it wasn't yours. Uh, tree news this week. At least 30% of the world's tree species face execution, sort of extinction. What's the difference? I can't remember. Uh, I can't what, the same one. One of them is, has more admin involved. <laughs> one of them's more embarrassing, because if you put a tree on a chopping block, it feels sort of cannibalistic. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Alice, you are our um, uh, ecological Armageddon correspondent. You've been charting the... Uh, inevitable death of this planet uh, over several years on the bugle. Um, just bring us up to date with uh, the latest evidence of the inevitable uh, end to all life on Earth. Uh, yes, indeed, Andy. About 30% of trees are at risk of going extinct, which is a perfect example of an instance where people can't see the forest for the trees. <laughs> By which I mean you will be able to see the forest because of the lack of trees, and what you'll see is a forest with 30% fewer trees. <laughs> Uh, experts and hippies plan to spend the next while explaining what needs to be done to spare our planet a horrifying cascade of ecological cause and effect. Uh, though by this point we're so far down the cause and effect line of dominoes that it's basically effect and effect all the way down. <laughs> um, I assume their plan is something like stop chopping down all the trees, uh, while big businesses and governments plan to wring their hands in public before doing the bare minimum to plan to plant the ecological equivalent of an embarrassing reforestation comb-over. Uh. <laughs> 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 I mean, uh, this was uh, the result of an international study. Oh, come on. International studies? I mean, was Brexit for nothing? How about we do our own, study our own fucking trees? Um, um, it... Uh, <laughs> So this poses, uh, so the loss of the world, the third of the world's tree species, um, poses a risk of anyone, I want to hear you. Uh, wider ecosystem in collapse. In the bin. That's, uh, that's, <laughs> that's it. Basically, yes, in the bin. Um, <laughs> in the rotting wooden bin. Um, amongst the biggest and smallest threats to trees include uh, forest clearance for farming, people carving hearts into tree trunks to tell someone they love them, industrial logging, beavers, the anti-brick lobby, the bench industry, artisanal chopping boards, <laughs> unnecessary chopsticks, crucifixions, urban development, chess and forest fires. Um, Chris, which of those are you most worried about? I would be most worried about chess following the <laughs> popularity of the Queen's Gambit. I think that's uh, <laughs> so going to be bad for trees. Things have been bad for trees for a few decades, Andy. Their once unchallenged position as the world's favourite and most numerous tall, wavy structures has been undermined by the arrival of both of offshore wind turbines and onshore Richard Osmonds. Uh, or Osmonds? Osmen? I'm not sure of the grammar. The, uh, the suggestion is that we can keep the tree species threatened by extinction in botanical gardens, but those places are just cruel. Trees cooped up, not able to run around as they would in the wild. We've all been to Kew Gardens in London and see the giant Californian sequoias huddling together for warmth. It's not, it's not natural. So we, we have to ask ourselves, do we even need trees anymore? Almost every Everything that trees do for us, we found an alternative for. We don't need to climb them, we have adventure playgrounds for that. We don't need their fruit, we have greengrocers for that. <laughs> yes, they used to provide us with logs for fuel and planks for building materials, but you can get both of those at B&Q. We don't need their shelter, we have Premier Inn, or if you've got absolutely no self-respect, Travel Lodge. <laughs> if we got rid of trees, think of the advantages. We'd be able to see further, 
trains would be able to run all year round in this country instead of having to take autumn off in case one of them gets knocked into a ravine by a falling leaf or whatever <laughs> that bullshit is. The fire service will be able to stop spending 34% of their annual budget as they currently do on getting cats out of trees for little old ladies. <laughs> Teenage girls in 80s movies could put their bras on safe in the knowledge there wasn't someone with a pair of binoculars in the branches outside their bedroom window. And 1970s glam rock stars could drive through barns without crashing their minis and dying. <laughs> trees have to go, Andy. Right. It's time. It's, okay. I mean, I mean, but there's a lot, though. I mean, I'm, certainly, I'm not sure they all have to go, but... There's 60,000 species of trees and only seven. Name them. Well, there's um, oak. One. Beech. Christmas. Um, <laughs> chestnut, Family. Uh, chestnut. Horse chestnut. Pantomime horse chestnut. <laughs> uh, pointy. Uh, family. And trigonoma. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I think, do you not think we've got enough? I mean, it is as a tree consumer, it's. Can, you can't remember, Alice. Can you? You can't. You can't remember sixty thousand fucking trees. What did you say, Alice? I said. <laughs> <laughs> the God's own. <laughs> it's a kind of tree. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, in terms of you know stopping these trees going extinct, um, any suggestions? I mean, how do you make trees? Horny uh, for each other. I mean, that seems. Well, the horn seems to be. That's, that's already horny. That seems to be one of the big problems, isn't it? That the trees aren't horny enough. The trees, yeah. They don't want to. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, birth rates around the world are going down. Maybe trees, you know, don't want to. They don't want to settle down and get. They just don't want to commit. I'm, o I'm only 300, Mum. <laughs> I want to play the field. I mean, only this field. I can't, <laughs> can't play any other fields. It's I mean, what does a tree settling down look like? Just spraying all its pollenges in one direction. <laughs> I think people would be less unhappy about the coming extinction of trees if we referred to that as treejes. Ah, <laughs> oh, treejes, <laughs> as the conkers fall. <laughs> a game of treejes, sure. <laughs> Bake mine in an oven makes it really hard. Family show, Chris, family show. Not a, not a also family. Also called hay fever jizznos. <laughs> Happy jizznos. Um, well, this is what happens when you don't do a show for over a year, year and a half. Yeah. Um, lack of discipline, Chris. That's uh, what it is. Get this, uh, you, you should be keeping a, a tighter ship, other Chris. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm just write tree jizz down. <laughs> um, there are adopted tree schemes. Um, where uh, you can give money to a, a charity and uh, adopt and we joined one but it didn't really fit in um, the rest of the family it insisted on having its own special food and um, it would never I mean never get out of bed and do anything uh, it was a nightmare to fit in the car on family outings and uh, whenever you took out a piece of paper to, to write something or paint a picture or play a game of hangman it would burst into tears and cry Granny! <laughs> um it's, it's worse than you think, Annie. Even trees that are already extinct 
are in danger. Did you read wow. there, are, there are 11 325-million-year-old tree stumps in Victoria Park in Glasgow which are threatened with decay because the building they're housed in is falling down, which will have a massive knock-on effect for the whole prehistoric fossilised ecosystem. Because if those prehistoric fossilised trees disappear, then there'll be no habitat, for example, for prehistoric fossilised dinosaur-bird hybrids, such as the Archaeopteryx, which will be in danger of dying out again, which will be 0 for 2 in the survival of the fittest league, the world's longest running league, currently in its 3.7 billionth season and sponsored this year by Kazoo. Mankind, of course, still the reigning champions, just about seeing off the challenge from microscopic viruses, which had a tremendous 2020 season under the tutelage of their new Chinese pangolin manager. Um, uh, Alice, on the subject of uh, trees... Um, you know, spoiling the view, as Chris pointed out. This has been uh, there's been a huge tree crime in uh, in Australia this week. Yes, indeed, in in Hobart, which is the capital city of Tasmania, which is the extra little island off the side of Australia that doesn't have the confidence to rejoin the mainland. <laughs> uh, this is front page news in Hobart at the moment, which is the deliberate poisoning of almost a dozen trees. <laughs> Uh, that authorities suspect have been targeted to improve the coastal view. So they've got little drill marks in them and, and they're dying extremely dramatically and slowly as trees do. The only things more dramatic than opera singers uh, in their death scenes are trees. <laughs> and uh, apparently they're very rare trees that are dying and the act of vandalism has an estimated damage value of $185,257. Well, that Which is, is very precise for an <laughs> estimate. Isn't it? Isn't it just? Like, where's the $7 come from in that? Also, I mean, it's typical, isn't it? Already fighting over the will before the trees have actually died. I mean, it's, I'm going to make a cyborg out of that one. I'm not f***ing dead yet. Um, but it's not going well for Australian trees in general. Um, there was a government <laughs> plan to plant a with that big f***ing desert. Yeah, well, aside from that. Um, uh, there was a government plan to plant a billion trees in a decade, and three years in, they've planted 1% of those trees, and a senator told Parliament it would take 357 years to achieve the target. Um, by which Again time... with the seven! <laughs> it is starting to look very suspicious. Government estimates just tack a seven on, so it sounds like they've done the maths. <laughs> Um, giving away how I do my cricket stats. <laughs> <laughs> um, just put a decimal place in, people believe it, it's amazing. Um, uh, but by, by that time, in 357 years' time, the average temperature in Australia will be an estimated 145 Celsius, um, or 183 on court at the Australian Open Tennis, where players will be baked potatoes within three games. So... Um, and that trees will be on fire by the time they, uh, they, they grow. So, um, I mean, what's your, what's your solution for the global tree crisis, Chris? Cut them down. Just cut the f***ers down. I don't trust them, I've never trusted them. <laughs> Sneaky bastards. What are they hiding? All that stuff underground? Come on. Animals don't do that. Your dog, you don't, your dog doesn't stand by the door with its leg behind it going, you can't see that bit, does it? <laughs> Sneaky bastards. Fair point. Um, right, uh, any more on trees, Alice? Uh, I, so much, but let's move on. Oh, let's, uh, let's <laughs> I feel like I'm delving into something deeply personal. Let's, um, <laughs> let's move on now to men deciding what women do with their wombs news now. And um, 
in a, 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 a ruling in Texas, uh, well, a ruling in the American Supreme Court by a narrow five to four uh, majority, the uh, a Texas law banning all abortions after six weeks of pregnancy go into effect. This is largely the uh, sort of Republican side of the American political seesaw, which is um, you know, a party that doesn't believe in state intervention in people's businesses. Uh, or in people's um, not being shot by deranged, gun-toting lunatics, but does believe in state intervention in, in people's wombs, which... I mean, Alice, do you, I mean, do you think this is... Are, are we misrepresenting this? I mean, it does seem slightly hypocritical. It's such a peculiar law, Andy. I, I don't know if you've looked at the details of the law, but it allows bounties for snitches like a weird pro-life video game where you just whack someone who's helping and their coins transfer to you. Bing, 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 bing. <laughs> but, but oh no, then one of those coins was a sperm and you have to quickly gestate your new baby to term and look after it for 18 years, even though you don't know where that coin has been. If your grandmother was right, all coins have been up someone's butthole. Sorry, I got derailed. <laughs> look, it's so badly written as a law you have to assume that they assumed it wouldn't pass. <laughs> it's like, it's very dog who caught the car and then had to figure out how to administer a rule that lets you basically just take $10,000 off someone involved in se helping someone in distress. It's completely incoherent, almost impossible to enforce, unwieldy. It's like if someone just transcribed a drunk uncle's pro-life rant onto a napkin and then slammed it down in front of the Texas legislature and went, this whole thing, before puking into a pot plant. That's basically how the American Constitution was written, isn't it? I'm sure the founding fathers were f***ing It was written in a Frankenbennies on a Friday night. <laughs> I just want a sane and rational society where everyone gets all their tubes pegged at puberty and then you have to do a test to get a child license, and it's a one-question test, which is, do you want to have a child? <laughs> and then they randomly select one social media post you've made, and you have to name your child that post in full. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, that'd be tricky for me. That means my first child would have been called Die, Motherfucker, Die. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, DMD Zoltzman. <laughs> <laughs> um, and six weeks is... I mean, that is absurdly early. Isn't it? Before yeah. some people have realised they're pregnant, or at least you know, certainly come to terms psychologically with the implications of pregnancy on your life, your lifestyle, your responsibilities. I know when, when my wife and I found out that she was pregnant in 2006, well, it took me a good... Well, decade and a half and counting to get my head around it, to be honest. I mean, you mean, if I want to go out and watch sport on my own, I've got to monetize it? What the f***? Um, 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 I mean, uh, Chris, I know you're a massive fan of the brutal inhumanity of huge, American vested interest politics. What's your... Uh... Well, I, the thing is, my problem with this law <laughs> is that it makes it even more difficult to ask that age-old question, am I in Texas or am I in Saudi Arabia? <laughs> Oil in the ground? Check. Large areas of desert? Check. Distinctive headgear? Check. Religious lunatics as standard? Check. Somewhat punchy attitude towards immigration? Check. They're talking, but I can't understand what they're saying? Check. <laughs> Hatred of women masquerading as moral high ground? Check. Really? The only way you can tell now whether you're in Texas or Saudi Arabia is to order some food and see whether it comes with barbecue sauce or hummus. <laughs> And the tigers as well. And the tigers. 
lest we forget. <laughs> Look, let's try to take some, some positives from this situation. I realise that that's like saying to somebody who's been wrongfully imprisoned, hey, at least you don't have to pay any bills and the clothes are free. But nobody ever gained by being relentlessly negative, obviously apart from the billionaire owner of the Daily Mail and Jeffrey Boycott. <laughs> but uh, for a very long time, it's been of huge concern that medical procedures in the United States are ruinously expensive. And to some degree, this law solves that problem. It's a particularly American approach to solve the expensive medical procedures by banning medical procedures, but um, it's a little like solving the problem of being overweight by sawing your legs off. But be careful what you wish for, I guess, is what I'm saying. <laughs> well, you don't have to be pro-choice to see that some of the arguments are completely off the rails. My favourite one that I saw recently was the guy who said that if women can't abortions, uh, if women can't get abortions, sorry, they'll be more selective about the men they sleep with and wow. only bang men who they would be happy to have fathered their children, and so all other men will have to step up their game, which is such a cute argument from somebody who's never met people before. <laughs> I think the problem for the pro-choice movement is in fighting this law is that it's very hard to argue that a six-week-old fetus is non-viable when by that stage, it has roughly the same mental capacity as a Republican voter. <laughs> the Republican Party, by the way, is technically no longer registered as a political organisation, but a Handmaid's Tale reenactment society, uh, which has the double benefit of allowing them to circumvent rules on donors uh, and make the hoods they bought for their wives tax-deductible. Uh, most decent people believe that you don't really have a right to make laws concerning women's bodies if you don't have a woman's anatomy. But of course, the largely male legislature of Texas was able to get round this on a technicality by being a bunch of <laughs> <laughs> I think the best way to fight this horrific tendency for largely male legislatures to make decisions about women's bodies is for women to say, OK, fine, fine. Well, then you make all the decisions then. The whole thing would very quickly stop if the likes of Texas Governor Greg Abbott were being rung up every two minutes by a woman saying, is this milk off? Or, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm just in Nando. Should I go macho peas or peri-salted chips? <laughs> Greg, hello, sorry to bother you. I was just going to send you something for your birthday and I was wondering, do you think it should be a dog or a cat that I get the turd from? I know plenty of people who are kind, normal people who have feelings about abortion or aren't sure what they think. And to those people, I would say, you're right. It's a really hard ethical position to be in if you think women choosing not to carry a pregnancy is murder from day dot, which is uh, actually what a blastocyst looks like. Uh, but it's a really fascinating trolley problem for philosophy class. And until we can measure the weight of a pending soul, and unless the issue is situated inside your own body, just pretend the unborn child is like collateral damage in a drone strike. Oh, wow. You know, that seems quite comfortably in the realm of quite sad boohoo, none of your business. <laughs> that or throw your pocket money into artificial womb technology and then every unwanted baby can be put, grown in a bag and used to colonise the stars or whatever. <laughs> it's good to have a dream. Um, um, Amen, brother. But, uh, well, luckily the Satanists are standing up um, against it. Uh, My people. <laughs> um, yes, the Satanic Temple has um, uh, launched legal action against the, uh, against the ruling. I mean, Chris, you, I, I don't know, when we were first working together, you were dabbling in... Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, very much so, yeah. The occult. Um, yeah, I'm 74. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's... But it's come to a sorry pass in American politics when the Satanists are on the side of good. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, that's bad, isn't it? If it turns out that Satan's one of the good guys, if Satan thinks what you're doing is a bit evil, you probably need to have a long, hard bath with yourself. <laughs> the good news for me, though, is I might finally get, recoup some of the money uh, I lost that time I got drunk and ordered 4,000 what would Satan do wristbands. <laughs> <laughs> well, Satanists are sort of the kid in school who decided to be shocking for fun because conforming is for idiots, and then they realised there was a profound moral point to be made and started community organising without giving up on body modification. <laughs> or pentangles. Um, is it time to move on to a happier story now, do you think? <laughs> Afghanistan news now. <laughs> um, oh. uh, picking up on a story we reported on exclusively last week, Big Global Scoop, the uh, withdrawal from Afghanistan. <laughs> um, as we uh, left it last week, we're still waiting for the official traditional come on everyone, it's not that bad speech from the American president. And um, that came soon enough um, uh, after we recorded last week. Joe Biden, who recently won the prestigious Bugle President of the Decade So Far Award, um, <laughs> tried to verbally paper over the political chasms arising from America's withdrawal from, uh, from Af Afghanistan. Who's enjoyed the Afghanistan crisis? Yeah. Oh, strange. Uh, where have we been advertising Fickle. this gig, Chris? Um, Fickle. Um, he said in his speech, uh, my fellow Americans, the war in Afghanistan is now over. Uh, missing out the key words, our bit of, before. <laughs> um, and it's not entirely obvious, is it, that a new era of peace and harmony is absolutely lathering itself all over what? Afghanistan, is it? Afghanistan? Afghanistan, more like. <laughs> Am I right? It's, uh, it's the end of another round in the centuries-old game of Central Asian about. Its winner stays on and Afghanistan are undefeated, having seen off the British, the Russians and now the Americans, with Afghanistan now entirely occupied by old-school hyper-religious warlords and Texas legislature wannabes, the Taliban, uh, who take their name from the phrase, you can absolutely have that human right, Taliban it. Anyway, hey. welcome to the bugle, but gotta pay the piper. Anyway, following America's latest defeat in a land war in Asia, when will they learn? Haunted Madame Tussauds exhibit Joe Biden made a speech which was less JFK's ask not what your country can do for you and more Shaggy's it wasn't me. <laughs> Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, he said, adding, and I'll leave half of them off the plane. <laughs> President Biden said it's time for America to stop nation building abroad, which is fair because it has quite a lot of nation building to do at home right now. When the Americans went into Afghanistan hoping to leave the country as a democracy like their own, I don't imagine that they were expecting that, amb that ambition would be met because by the time they came to withdraw, Republicans would have eroded American democracy to the point where you genuinely wouldn't be surprised to see people in pickup trucks with guns parading through Fort Lauderdale shouting, <laughs> death to the West Coast. <laughs> um, he also said he will turn the page on American foreign policy, but as anyone who's read a book will know, turning the page <laughs> is not always a recipe for improvement. Um, <laughs> For example, when I was reading my one-year-to-one-page history of the 20th century, 1938, England score a record 903 for seven at the Oval. 1939, ah! Test cricket cancelled! <laughs> or my book of po photographs of politicians wearing unexpected clothes. Nelson Mandela in the number six Springbok jersey at the 1995 Rugby World Cup final. Turn the page, Boris Johnson in a, in a gimp outfit straddling a Spitfire. That, I mean, that's just, you don't want to see that, do you? 
whole audience is reading the newspaper last week, you know, tales of global desolation. I think you can't get worse than this. Turn the page. Michael Gove dancing. <laughs> oh. um, and also, he also added that America must learn from its mistakes, which, I mean, that is about the most un-American thing to do, isn't yeah. it? To, yeah. I mean, America is very much built on not learning from its, its mistakes. Exhibit one, gun crime statistics. And I mean, it is kind of odd, isn't it? A, a country where, you know, with, with its gun, you know, unpasteurized cheese illegal in many states. Guns. It does make you think maybe there was possibly some mix-up in the early drafting of the... Open I mean, it, carry unpasteurized <laughs> cheese. <laughs> It's possible they were having lunch in 1790, and you know, they just well, well anyway. As I said, they were hammered when they wrote. They wrote it all. Well, I mean, it could have been down to that time when that deranged Frenchman wandered into a shopping mall with 80,000 rounds of brie and force-fed them to the locals till they all died of coronary illness before he finally turned the camembert on himself. But um, <laughs> um, uh, Alice, what's your solution to the Afghanistan crisis? Well, uh, Andy. Uh, if I have one, I'll tweet about it. That seems to be the protocol. But uh, Joe Biden, a man who looks like he's being replaced piece by piece, beginning with the teeth and currently mid-brain, has said that he doesn't want America to be caught in a forever exit, uh, which is like the opposite of an Irish goodbye. Uh, when you're trying to leave a party. But, but, but I just think you shouldn't have gone if, in if you didn't have a plan to get out. It's my strategy with all dates. I don't go on a date unless I already have a plan to break up with them. I've just got it in the back pocket. I mean, it's, it has been a messy transfer window in Afghanistan. It's, it's fair to say it's not gone quite as well. Not, not as well as Spurs have done, Chris, is it? They've had a good transfer window. but No, I mean, we haven't signed any Afghan players yet. Oh, okay. but matter of time. Um, but he I'm also not... announced that America would not be the global police anymore, which, given what we know about how they approach policing in America, is probably... <laughs> a good thing. Um, I mean, I find it hard to warm to the Taliban as a franchise. Give it time. Chris. I mean, they seem... Give it time. Just a little on the humorless side. Uh, I mean, so we'll talk about our you know, political leaders that you, you know, like to go and have a drink with them in the pub. And I'm not sure that's necessarily what you want, but I think the Taliban take it too far the other way. And I know we're suckers for nostalgia as a species, but brutal, misogynist, medieval theocracy, I think it's taking it too far. I think the 1970s should be your absolute cut-off point. Um, and I found them quite graceless in victory as well. And, I mean, you compare... I mean, I don't mind confidence. You saw Virat Kohli at the Oval. You know, yeah. he, was, he was confident, but he wasn't, you know... You know, really sticking it to, to England. England. I mean, they could learn from sports. I was, you know, you wouldn't get someone at Wimbledon after the Wimbledon final saying, I've defeated Novak Djokovic, the great Satan. Um, <laughs> because, obviously, Djokovic never loses. But, um... Uh, right. Um, a more mo are you excited about the more moderate Taliban, though? That's, uh... The, uh, I mean, that's uh, between promoting themselves as a more moderate Taliban, which is... Well, it's exciting, isn't it? It's like, uh... A more luxurious, unlicensed endoscopy. Um, <laughs> or, um, more relaxing barrage of javelins through the windscreen on the A303. Or a, a more elegant swarm of wasps at a child's birthday picnic. So, um, Right, I think we're done. Uh, that's, uh, that's it, please. Uh, <laughs> that is the most showbiz phrase. Yeah. Right, I think we're done.
I think we're done. To quote Bruce Forsyth. Uh, well, that's we are. We've gone over our contractually obliged hour, so if you can only remember the peak 60 minutes of this show and not the uh, bits where I've been floundering around trying to remember what the f*** it was I'm supposed <laughs> to be doing. Uh, well, it's been an absolute delight. Uh, so yeah, have, speaking to human beings in the, in, um, who I'm not blood-related to or um, uh, are former international cricketers, with all due respect. Uh, some of you may be. Um, either of those. I don't know. Um, uh, but anyway, thank you very much uh, for coming. Thanks to Chris, as always, for making uh, everything happen there. <laughs> Chris, the producer. Thanks to uh, to Chris Addison once again. It's been uh, lovely working with you again after yeah, all these man. years. And thanks for getting up so f***ing early in the morning once again. Hey! Alice Fraser! And uh, do also listen to The Gargle and uh, all of um, uh, The Last Post and everything else Alice does. Uh, anything to plug? Uh, wait, let me think. Nope. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you How was your come- career going, Chris? Nothing to plug. <laughs> oh, listen to our Radio 4 show from 18 years ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you can find it. It was, uh, it was very quite good. quite a lot of it on YouTube. Yes, mm. there is. Although some of the people who co-starred in it are now in jail. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> that's the pitfalls of getting people who were then celebrities to play themselves that in comedy true. sketches. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah, but that's a fun guessing game for you, isn't it? <laughs> it's a clue. It wasn't Craig Doyle. He's yeah. fine. Now, um, <laughs> Right, that's it. Thank you very much for coming. It's been a pleasure talking to you all. Thank you for coming to the Bugle. Thanks, Chris. Chris. Alice, thanks, The Underbelly. Goodbye. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.